So after what has been another fantastic week of league football and FA Cup football, we are continuing on now to European football and international football. It is, of course, the international break. Some love it, some hate it, but we know it's going to be interesting. As always, we're here to talk about it. Look forward to the week ahead. I'm Ross Evans here with my co-host Dan Newton. Hello. And before we get started, we're going to jump into the Champions League. But first, Dan, how have you been enjoying football for the last week or so since we last, you know, last brought out an episode of this podcast? What did you make of the week? Yeah, it's been good. Um, obviously, FA Cup weekend had some good games. Um, for me personally, uh, I get to go watch my team from Fargal win their first game in about seven after losing six in a row. So. Uh, that was a positive for me, but no, it's been a, yeah. it's a good week uh, football, I think. And it's, you know, I don't enjoy international breaks that much, but I think when you're getting closer to a, an actual tournament, they start to be a lot more interesting. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this slightly different England squad plays. But if you want to hear our thoughts on the England squad, how England are going to do, you're going to want to stick around because first we're going to address the Champions League quarterfinal draw. Now, first of all, before we reveal the games, Dan, what do you think of the draw? Do you think it was an interesting one? Is it going to lead to... I mean, there's one match in particular that I think will lead to some real rivalries and the, the big boys in one half as well. Were you happy with the Champions League draw? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know, once you get to the quarterfinal stage, there are always going to be interesting draws, you know, because there's so many good teams that are just... The only yeah. teams that are left in it are the, you know, the best teams in the world. So it's always entertaining to watch them. And I think... You know, especially this season, we had some really good draws pulled out. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll start off with the first one. We've got Man City taking on Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Man City, of course, are still on course for the quadruple, um, which, you know, is a testament to how well City have been playing. I mean, you predicted City to win the league at the begin, you know, beginning of the season. Um and you stuck by it, even through their rocky patch, and now they look fantastic. And, you know, is, do you think Pep's going to learn from his mistakes that he did against, you know, that he made against Leon when he fiddled with his team's shape and, you know, they crashed out? Potentially. I, I think what might actually benefit City in a strange way is that they're going to be playing very well-established teams all the way through. I think even if they, you know, if they do beat Dortmund, I think they'll play the winner of Bayern and PSG, who are two teams they'll know very well, because... That arguably yeah. the other two favourites for it. So I think unlike Leon, there won't be a case of him having to maybe adapt to a team he's less familiar with. He can kind of just go and put out his best team and try and beat the the, the other team on their own on their own ground rather than trying to adapt to them and you know try and pull out pull out something funky. I think just play like Man City do and they'll be all right. I think I think they're they're personally my favourite to uh, win the whole thing. Yeah, I mean I think there is. A- almost looking at the teams and the way these teams are playing, I think it's a two-horse race, I think, between City and Munich again. PSG only just slightly off the pace, I think, you know, for them as favourites of the competition, is they'd need a bit more than a maybe a bit of an over-reliance on uh, Mbappe and Neymar. But then saying that, I haven't seen them play since Pochettino took over. So, you know, we, we know he's got... A fantastic brand of football, so um, we'll have to see how they, you know, a bit more of them before we make a decision. Are they up there and making it a three-horse race? But um, in this game, Dortmund, you know, haven't been 
dominant in their league. They've had the odd shock loss, poor performance, um, but you know they've got an absolute superstar up front in Erling Braut Haaland. Do you think he's going to be, you know, dangerous enough by himself to threaten Man City, or do you think that maybe the injuries throughout the team and the quality of the Dortmund team almost let him down? Well, I think the thing with Dortmund is I think they're still quite a young team. I think all their best players are kind of around that sort of 20, 22 kind of age bracket. So I think their kind of issue maybe is consistency and kind of producing regularly and kind of having that mesh of older experienced players and the younger ones to kind of all come together is a bit tricky for them, I think. And I just think, you know, Erling Haaland is a a brilliant player and he could definitely decide the game on his own. But it's, you know, getting him that opportunities against a, a Man City defence that has been a lot more solid than previous uh, Pep teams. So I think, you know, he could, you know, just have an amazing pair of games and take them through. But I think that's unlikely. I think it's more likely that Man City's kind of consistency and quality throughout their team will uh, probably see them through. Yeah, and City being, you know, a team that's actually been linked with to uh, Haaland, um, I mean, that would make City an abs- an unstoppable force because he, he just doesn't he doesn't seem to miss the target or rarely misses the target. Yeah, no, he's probably the best striker in the world outside of Lewandowski. So you'd think if Man City could get him, that would be kind of the, the last sort of piece of the jigsaw for them. And it would be definitely the best team in the world on paper, I, I would say. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's almost interesting, you know, that link to Haaland and I'm reading on BBC via uh, Sky Sports that Manchester City have also recently been linked with Danny Ings. Uh, quite a considerable class difference between the two players there, isn't there? Yeah, just a, just a small difference between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'd be very surprised if that happens. I, I, I actually think maybe they would get both of them. You know, I don't think it's a choice between Haaland and Ings. I think they probably want Haaland, but maybe if Aguero leaves as well, they might want Ings as a backup or something. But yeah. no, I, I don't think they're choosing between the two of them. No, um, I mean, it's just going to be an interesting tie. I mean, both teams like to play free-flowing attacking football. Uh, City, I think we can expect that they'll dominate the ball. Um, but I, Dortmund, I think, could hit them with some real vicious counter-attacks. But... I think we are going to see City go through on this one, aren't we? I think they are the favourites, particularly yeah, in this yeah. tie. Yeah, I'd agree. But you also have the, you know, the Jane Sancho factor. You know, obviously he was at Man City for a very long time, ended up leaving, yeah. going to Dortmund. So maybe he'll have a thing or two to prove to them, and maybe that could, you know, give him an inspiring performance. But um, yeah, I think barring, you know, a crazy individual game from him or Haaland or even both of them, I think this has got Man City written on it. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, but with that, arguably maybe one of the hotter, if not the hottest of the four, is Real Madrid taking on Liverpool. Now, we know these teams have history. I don't think we need to put too much detail into you know the Salah shoulder incident uh, in Champions League two years ago. Three years ago now? Is it two or three? Um, I think it was three. Yeah, it was three years ago, I think. Yeah, three years ago. Um, of course, Liverpool losing out in that final to Real Madrid, uh, courtesy of a Carrius disaster class. And Gareth um, Bale scoring one of the best ever goals in a Champions League final. 
don't don't be silly. Gareth Bale is not a good player. You know, Real Madrid shown that's why he sat on the bench. He was just you know overrated. <laughs> that's why he didn't play. He's clearly because he wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, that that was the one the one reason. <laughs> um, but you know, Liverpool as we know have been having massive league troubles, but you know, seem still seem reasonably strong in Europe. I think you know they played they looked much the better side against Leipzig but I think Leipzig maybe were a little bit naive by playing a high line which always benefits a Liverpool team who like to hit on the counter and, you know a lot of long balls over the top into the, uh, the insanely quick wingers in Mane and Salah um, I don't think Real Madrid are going to make that same mistake no you, you wouldn't think so you know um I think even this Real Madrid team, which again isn't having an amazing season, you know, I think I think they won't be naive enough to kind of play into Liverpool's hands like that. Um, obviously, they still have some really good players, um, both sides. But I think, I don't know. I think this is actually a really tough one to call. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, and I actually think this could be a another kind of Istanbul year for Liverpool, where they're kind of rubbish in the league, but in the Champions League for whatever reason. They seem to really turn up and you know i think man city will still win the champions league but i wouldn't be surprised to see liverpool at least get through against real madrid and maybe even make it to the final i don't know about you yeah. um i'm unsure i mean this is the most difficult one for me to predict because it's sort of head versus heart um you know liverpool look much better since the arrival of kabak and that's maybe not so much to do with Kabak in the starting lineup, but rather Fabinho recently coming back into the midfield. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that Fabinho in the midfield has been fantastic for Liverpool. It's allowed Thiago to press on a little bit more, and he's looked he's looked a bit more threatening as a midfielder. You know, he's been not, he hasn't been fantastic for Liverpool this season, but I think that he was you know hindered by playing in a position that wasn't his. Um, just a caveat on that as well. If you're talking goals and assists, if you actually look at his numbers for Bayern last season, it weren't fantastic. It was what he was, you know, he, but his pre-assists would have been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, for him, I think it's it's how he involves yeah. everyone else in the play. It's not, you know, yeah. he's not going to get you 15 goals a season directly. You know, that's not the kind of player he is. He's about, you know, picking up the ball and then playing a pass, which then sets up another pass, which you then score from. You know, that's his kind of game. And I, yeah. think, I, I think, to be fair to him, you know, I, I am a big fan of his, but I think it's been a difficult Liverpool team to kind of come into, you know, yeah. very high expectations after winning the league and all the injury problems. It, it can't have been easy. So I think now yeah. that he's actually got that foundation behind him, we should see him flourish a bit more. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly agree. And, and that, that Fabinho... Um, you know, midfield and that change sort of almost back to Liverpool's normal system minus a couple of key players makes them a stronger team. But Madrid, like I said, not having the best season, but still a very strong team. Like on paper, you'd probably say they're the better team. Yeah. Um, you know, Sergio Ramos, as much as I hate to say it, is a phenomenal defender. He's the ma master of the dark arts. Um, Benzema as a striker I think goes completely under the radar as one of the top strikers in the world um, you don't play a top European team like Real Madrid if you're not for as long as he has yeah no he's a, he's a very good player yeah um, 
So I, I think it's really tough to call, and I just think Madrid might edge it. I think I have to go for Madrid with this one as much as I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is me being a bit more heart overhead, um, even though I'm not a Liverpool fan. But I, I don't know, I just got one of those feelings I think Liverpool are going to go through. I think maybe it's because when I have watched Madrid, I haven't been impressed by them this year, especially in the early rounds of the Champions League. They really didn't play very well. I know that was a long time ago now, but I don't know. Um, I just I fancy Liverpool to go through. Maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do agree with you. I watched them in their um, round of 16 tie and I wasn't, impre- wasn't impressed. Um, I didn't think they looked anywhere near as... Uh, lethal going forward as they have done uh, so I'm I'm just I'm not convinced but I think they're key players at the moment where the way they're playing I think they are just a little more dangerous than um, the Liverpool team at the moment yeah no I definitely think it's going to be a very tight one and like you said earlier I think probably the most interesting tie in the round yeah well actually the title of the most interesting tie in the round may actually be taken by the next game we're looking at. It's Bayern Munich versus PSG, which, you know, we're seeing the probably the best number nine in world football at the moment in Robert Lewandowski. The man ages like a fine wine. He can't stop scoring. Bayern are a machine of a team versus what we know is a strong PSG side, you know, has probably the great, up there as one of the greatest strikers with him in Kylian Mbappe, phenomenal players like Neymar in that squad as well. Do you think it's going to be a tight game, or do you think that this is, you know, might be a surprising one-sided result? Um, you know, it's always hard to say. Obviously, it's a repeat of last year's final, which was very tight. I think it was only 1-0, I think I'm correct in saying. Obviously, Bayern Munich won. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's always tricky with PSG, I think. There's a lot of question marks about them. You know, do they turn up to the really big games? You know, is Neymar going to be fit? He seems to always be injured these days. So I think it is yeah. it is difficult to really say. But for me, I think I think Bayern Munich are just a, a brilliant team that are really kind of at their yeah. peak right now. I think you look at that squad and they're all in a you know, really good age. They're all performing yeah. every week. So yeah, for yeah. me, I, I think it's going to be Bayern Munich. I don't think it will be... You know, like when they played Barcelona last year and they put, you know, ridiculous amount of goals past them. But I think yeah. it might be a bit more comfortable than uh, last year's final. Yeah. Um, you know, we're looking at the two teams who in their countries respectively have a monopoly on the league. They can almost buy any player that they want. You know, no one's going to turn them down. Um, do I think that in terms of the signings that they have got, I think Munich have done better. You know, not just... You know, Lewandowski being great form. I think the acquisition of Leroy Sané when he's fit is a fan, he's a fantastic player. You know, as well as you know players like Alfonso Davies, probably you know fantastic. Uh, Joshua Kimmich, incredible. It's going to be a really tough for me to see how PSG are getting out of this one because I think that apart from their star, you know, they've got a couple of star names, but then I think the rest of the squad is. Better than average, but not, you know, I don't think it's on Bayern's level. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, you know, Bayern Munich have got world class players in pretty much every position, whereas PSG have got, 
you know, arguably two of the very best world-class players um, in their attack. But I think in their midfield and defence and goalkeeper, it's, you know, it, I think you're right. I don't think they're up to the same standard, which, yeah. I mean, I think it says more about how good Bayern Munich are than saying PSG are rubbish. Because, you know, I, I don't think PSG are terrible. No. But I think Bayern Munich are just one of the best teams in the world right now. And yeah, I might go down. if they win the Champions League this year, we'll probably go down. It's one of the best ever teams of their kind yeah. of consistency of the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think they won five trophies last season, didn't they? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to follow that up with at least a Champions League, you know, I don't know where they are in the league. I imagine they're probably winning it. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so, win. yeah. Um, it would, you know, it's just it's difficult to look past them and you know i'd be surprised if we didn't see him in the final yeah no i i think i think i'm, I'm going to agree with you here and go by munich yeah uh, and then we'll get on to the last game now it's porto versus chelsea and you know for, i think I want to discuss porto first because you know they overcame juventus um they did lose the second leg but on uh, away goals they did go, you know, they went through, and frankly, it was from a howler from Chesney. Um, he should have dealt with that free kick. Yeah, yeah, he should have. Uh, but Porto, I think a lot of people regarded Porto as probably the weakest team in this draw. Do you think that's fair, or do you think that people are under underestimating them? Because they did overcome a very strong Juventus side. Yeah, I mean, it's the Juventus side that, you know, aren't doing that great in the league as well. You know, it's got um, Pirlo as the new manager and it's a lot of question marks about him. It looks like they won't do 10 league titles in a row. So I don't think it's the greatest ever Juventus side or anything like that. Um, but no, I mean, Porto are still a very good team. I just think, again, it's, you know, they're up against, you know, the, the best teams in the world that are left in this bracket. So I think they are definitely the underdogs um, for this match and for the whole tournament. But you never know, in a one-off game, they could just snatch it, you know. I think they're pretty solid defensively. You know, Chelsea have looked better under the new manager. But I think there's yep. still question marks about them. You know, I don't think they're the finished product yet. So um, I still think Chelsea are favourites. But Porto definitely yeah. could cause an upset. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea have certainly looked a lot better defensively. Um, I, I mean, I always thought they were reasonably solid defensively at points under Lampard sometimes it was like the floodgates open but you know sometimes an absolute shutout um, and uh, under Tuchel they've looked really good but going forward they look a bit naff is the only way to say it I think yeah I think they're a bit uncertain to like who their main strike is going to be you know are they going to play yeah. Werner as a number nine are they going to put him on the left wing you know I think there's still a lot of question marks about what their best attack is yeah, I mean, you know, think of who they've got. You know, as you say, Werner, Abraham, uh, Giroud, who can all play through the middle. Havertz has, has played a sort of nine slash ten role. Um, and then you go to the wings, and you've got Werner, who can also play out there. You've got Pulisic, you've got Callum Hudson, the door, who's also being used as a wing back. Um, yeah, it's. Do you think he's. I don't think he's figured out his best attack yet. No, I, I, I don't think he has either. I think he's still got to work that out, and I don't think he'll have enough time before the Champions League tie to know what that is yet. No, I mean, certainly if you look at the person who's had the most impact 
in the Champions League. You'd argue that it's Giroud, um, who I still believe is a seriously underrated footballer. Yeah, I mean, um, we're both huge fans of his. Yeah, big big fans of big Olivier. Um, and I think he gets a little bit... Dis- he, he does lack a bit of mobility, it's a given, but I think for what he can do in, as a striker to use the target man to bring other players um, into the game, I think, you know, it's worth a punt, certainly. And, as you know, in the air, he's great in the air as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I... We, like I said, we both think he's really good, a really good player, and um, definitely a bit more of an old-fashioned striker. But he's got the quality, and I think he's very reliable, which is what I think yeah. the other Chelsea strikers kind of lack. But um, yeah. now I think I think overall this tie will be quite tight. I could see it being a goal or two either way, or even like Porto's last round and being decided on away goals. Um, but that said, I do think Chelsea will probably just edge it. I think just in yeah. their squad, they probably have a bit more quality than Porto do. Obviously, spent a significantly, yep. uh, significantly more amount of money than Porto have, but that probably helps them. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I like Porto. I like like some of the you know, Pepe is an absolute lunatic, and that's I quite like him for it because he is a madman. You know, he always get an entertaining game. You put in a defensive masterclass against. Um, Juventus and you know people look at the scoreline and say well no he didn't but remember he's one player in a defensive unit of five who should have had a sitting midfielder in front of them his individual performance was fantastic Um, and anyone who disagrees with that I think needs to probably do a bit more research because he was monumental for Porto Um, I think they would have conceded a lot more without him but you know, as you say, I think I do have to agree with you. I think that one one man's defensive output won't keep out this Chelsea team. You would think that they have enough quality. Um, it's just well, I think it's their final ball. If Chelsea can deliver the final ball, I think they've got. You know, they're pretty. You know, easily go through. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think it will. You know, again, it'll be a, it'll be a tight one, but um, for me, it's going to be Chelsea going through with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree on that one, and you know that would lead to some tasty semi-finals. Um, I think we're almost guaranteed, you know, we're almost guaranteed, almost guaranteed to see two English teams face off in the semis. Um, yeah, with the, yeah, with the with the possibility of an all English final, but I don't think that'll happen. No, I would be surprised. I think, I think Bayern Munich. Um, well, we're certainly getting to the final. I mean, I'm looking at the UEFA website's uh, brackets here. So I think going off what we said, um, it should be Bayern Munich against Man City would be one of the semi-finals, And then it would be Chelsea versus Real Madrid or Liverpool. So um, there's potential for, you know, definitely an English team to get in the final or win, yeah. a, win the whole thing. But yeah, I think it... Could easily be, you know, Bayern Munich against Real Madrid or something like that as well. Yeah, I mean, Man City Bayern would be a phenomenal game. Yeah, I think if if that is the semi final, which I think it should be, I think that will probably decide who wins the whole thing. If you if you get it's what almost, I mean. Yeah, it's it's almost a shame to see that as a semi because that is, that is a game that has final written all, all over it. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that... two best teams in the world quite comfortably. Yeah. Yeah, at the moment, certainly. Um, but, yeah, I think 
you know, the fact that we only get to, we'll see that as a semi, I think be just the chance of seeing that match this season is amazing. Um, and then the final, I would almost argue that the final wouldn't quite live up to that. Yeah, unless, you know, obviously if whichever one of Bayern and City get into the final ended up losing it, then that would be you know quite a story, I think. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Um, but that is something we'll have to look forward to. Now, one thing we have mentioned that we're going to get into, and there's a lot, a few players from these teams actually are involved in it, is the England setup. Obviously, it's internationals this week with England taking on San Marino, Albania, and Poland. Um, we're gonna, so we're going to take a little look at the England squad and talk about sort of some notable inclusions, some exclusions, and sort of just think about how uh, England are going to get on in their qualifiers. So I guess we'll start with the goalkeepers, Dan. And you know, when we predicted our England squads to go to the Euros, we've actually got two of these three goalkeepers already. Um, but we're seeing Sam Johnston picked over Jordan Pickford, who's been England's number one for the last couple of years. That's, I think, you know, that's quite an interesting pick, considering Johnston's had a fant- uh, individually played quite well, but is playing for a relegation-threatened West Brom side. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd one. You'd think if Johnston was coming in, he'd be replacing the number two or the number three, and Pickford be, would be uh, continuing as the number one, but. Obviously, Southgate thinks maybe he needs to make a change or at least wants to look at some other options. Um, I think he's well worth having a look at. Um, I, I don't think he'll be the number one. You know, I don't think that's going to happen, but definitely as a, a third or second choice, it'd be good. Um, but no, it is interesting. I think more that Pickford's excluded. And I would presume that would mean that Dean Henderson would probably get in as the number one. Obviously yeah. playing more for Man United in recent weeks, so that's probably helped yeah. him a lot. Yeah, and I think that's maybe, you know, it's a bit unfortunate for Nick Pope because honestly, I think if he was playing for a side with a little more prestige than Burnley, he'd probably be the number one. Yeah, I mean, definitely looking at him on individual games, he looks well worth, you know, being the number one. Yeah, yeah, um, but, you know, as you say, Johnston has had a reasonably good season uh, by, you know, on individual standards, but he's playing for a West Brom team that are not playing well. I mean, I think relegation threatened, they are 10 points off safety. No, I don't think they're relegation threatened. I think they are almost certainly down. Yeah, although it's always interesting um, from a goalkeeper. It's obviously, if you play for a, you know, relegated, uh, a relegation threatened side, you almost get more opportunity to show off. Um, yeah. Because you have to face a lot more shots because the players in front of yeah. you aren't nearly as good. So, you know, maybe it actually could help him kind of show what he can do for England in, in in a strange way. Yeah, I mean, they've conceded the most goals of any team in the league with 57. So, I mean, he may be facing... It. I'd be interested to see how many shots he's faced and what his save percentage is, because, you know, that doesn't look great to concede that many goals. Um, yeah. But, you know, how many of those are actually, can he have actually you know, done much about, you know, I don't know. Um, with this West Brom defence in front of him there's probably not a lot he could have done um, but yeah I think that's an interesting one we'll have to see if he does get any time on the pitch you know I, I would hazard a guess to say if he does it might come against San Marino 
Um, yeah, you might get you know forty five minutes against San Marino, something like that. I I, I would expect. Yeah, um, but we'll move on. Looking to the defense, and I think the one that everyone was talking about was Trent Alexander Arnold not being in the squad. Yeah, a bit of a strange one. You know, obviously Liverpool have not had a good season, um, but I actually think in recent weeks he's kind of improved a lot, and he's looked more like the Trent Alexander Arnold that we're used to. So it's a bit strange that you know he kind of made it into other squads, but he's been dropped now, even though his performances have improved. Yeah, yeah, he's certainly not been at his uh, high standards this season. But yeah, I was a little, a little bit surprised to s- see him like not feature, considering that he's, you know, he's got a fair bit of international experience now, with you know Reese James being picked in the squad as well. I mean, obviously still got Kyle Walker with, you know, tons of international experience and Kieran Trippier as well. Um, but I was also surprised to see that Aaron Wan-Bissaka didn't make the squad because I think defensively he is solid as a rock. He's probably our best defensive-minded right back. But do you think it's his lack of ability going forward that's kept him out of the squad? Yeah, I'm, I mean, just looking at the squad as a whole, I, it looks like a squad that's built to play three at the back with wing-backs. So I, I think that's maybe what's, you know, costing Wan-Bissaka his spot is I think that yeah. the system that Southgate wants to play doesn't suit him. Um, I do think it's a bit odd that Trippier is included considering he's literally just come back from a FA ban, I think, to, you know, yeah. the, the betting stuff that he did, which yeah. is a bit odd that put him straight back into the team when he's probably not even match fit, I'd guess. Because um, I don't think he's really played that much at all. So I think that is a bit strange, but... Um, no, yeah, it's. I mean, it's Southgate, isn't it? You can never really, really tell what he's doing. Yeah, Southgate does make some interesting choices. Um, I still think that James Ward-Prowse being in the squad, I think, on form, if you look at his numbers, he's, you know, that's quite an interesting one. Um, but you know, as we say, for defenders, you go back to onto the defenders. It, I mean, right back, we are stacked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's. A t- it's you know it's a tough choice, but you know were you pleased to also see John Stones back in the squad? Yeah, I think looking at him and uh, Luke Shaw as well, um, getting recalled is really good. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the England squad as a whole, and I think you know they're both really good players having good seasons, yeah. and it's good to have them back because I think both of them definitely suit the England system. You know, Luke Shaw especially, I think going forward has been a bit of a revelation this season. I think his crosses into the box have been. Well, they've been really good. You know, he, he's definitely yep. improved that area of his game. And John Stones, yep. again, has always been good on the ball, but he's been a lot better defensively this season. Yeah. So it's I mean, good to have Luke him back. Sh- yeah, Luke Shaw almost feels a bit like Aaron Ramsey was with Arsenal a few years ago when he, you know, had a horrific injury. He had a few seasons where he sort of almost didn't recover properly and maybe psychologically was still affected. But now that he's got that sorted out and he's you know almost got a clean bill of health, Luke Shaw is now showing what he's capable of. You know what we all were expecting from him. Uh, you know when he first burst onto the scene with Southampton. Um, so it's really good to see him playing so well back in the squad. Yeah, definitely. It's really good to have him back. Um... I mean, just looking at the defenders, the only other notable one is the fact that Eric Dyer still gets into the England squad. What do you make of that? Yeah, I'm. I don't understand why. Yeah, neither do I. Um, in a Tottenham team that is defensively 
ropey. Um, I don't get why he's there. I mean, maybe he's there f- to just offer international experience in the squad and maybe help, you know, like I say, help Reese James and you know Tyron Mings and Connor Cody who don't have as much international experience. You know, Cody and Mings are still, you know, got a lot of Premier League experience now, but I think international is slightly different. So maybe he's there to help them with it, but. Yeah, I don't know why Eric Dyer's in the squad, to be honest, because he's, he's not been at the level required for England this season. I think, you know, to overlook someone like James Tarkovsky for Eric Dyer, he, I think he's there on his name, the fact that he's played for England before. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you'd pick him on form. Uh, I don't think he's even really getting into the Spurs team right now. Which, like I said, it's a Spurs team that isn't good at the back anyway, and he's not, mm. you know, getting into it. <laughs> you know to help out so it's yeah a very odd one for me yeah um and yeah like i say other center backs that you know just come to the top of my head that would have picked you know michael Keane. i think has been better than eric dyer on yeah. the individual level i think esri concert has been better on an individual level um you know like oh, yeah. tarkovsky i think you know any burnley center back is probably better than eric dyer right now <laughs> It's, be, it's, it's honestly, not been a good season for him. To be honest, the way West Ham have been playing, I'd have Craig Dawson. Yeah, I mean, on form, he's, he's probably better. Um, as yeah. bad as that sounds, but you're probably right. Yeah. Um, but we'll move on. Speaking of West Ham, um, one of their young, exciting midfielders has got into the squad. That's Jesse Lingard. Yeah, yeah, Jesse Lingard back again. Um, I think he's been really good for West Ham so far this season. Yeah. I, I think he's he's been great for them since you know arriving on loan in January and uh, it's actually it's good to see him playing again playing regularly and you know playing so well. Yeah, because I, I know everyone always jokes about him and I mean so do we. So <laughs> we can't be uh, yeah. too hypocritical. But um, yeah, no, he's definitely turned it around. He's looking a genuinely really good player. And I think well warranted to be in the England squad. Yeah, yeah, and as you know, as I said before, I thought Ward Prowse was a bit of a interesting so- uh, selection, shall we say? Yeah, um, you know, Southampton are on a pretty bad run of form. You know, he, I think he's still playing okay, but um, yeah, you do kind of wonder if there's better options out there for England. Um, you know, I do think he is a good player, and we've definitely seen him play well before for England. I think in the last yeah. um, international window. Uh, so yeah, um, I think he is a good player. But again, yeah. you think maybe better players might be in, you know, better form right now. Yeah, and I think for you know the way England play and some, you know, it's good to have a, a someone who is almost certainly should be on the pitch, the designated free kick taker. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Just set pieces in general, because I'm tired of watching England players take a corner and it doesn't beat the first man. I'm tired of them taking a free kick. And then not beating the first man, having someone who can do that is, I th- will, you know, help elevate certain aspects of England's game. I'm just worried that in other areas he's a bit lacking. Yeah, potentially. You know, I kind of wonder what position he would play. You know, because you think he's maybe not mobile enough or have enough energy to play in kind of the two midfield that England potentially could play if they are three at the back. So, yeah, yeah. it's an interesting. One. I think it gives us a different option. Um, I think another interesting inclusion is uh, Jude Bellingham um, from Dortmund yeah. in the squad. 
Um, obviously, we kind of heard about this when he wasn't included in the under-21 squad. Um, yeah. For me, I think it's a bit of an odd one. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Jude Bellingham, but I don't think he's played that much. I know he's played a fair amount of games for Dortmund, but I still think he's, you know, a young player who's developing. So I'm not sure if it's a bit early for him in the, in the England squad. Maybe. I mean, he dropped a Champions League masterclass. He was great um, in the last round. And, you know, he's... You know, he's starting to get he's getting regular game time with Dortmund, whether or not that is from due to injuries. But he doesn't look out of place um, for Dortmund. Um, and, uh, you know, I think actually now is looking at the fixtures, with all due respect to these nations, San Marino and Albania might actually be some good matches to, you know, play him in where he can get some experience. I think he'll learn a lot from that. And I think that's... Know, something that we need to see as well is that young players who are talented learning the international game as well because it's not always the same as like league play in fact it's massively different um so i th- I, I have to disagree with you i don't actually think it's an odd one i think if you look at the injuries we've got in midfield i think you know with john henderson out and other players being out with you know on cases of poor form or you know maybe don't fit southgate system i think he's a uh, I think he's a good shout. Yeah, I, I mean, I I like him. I think he's a good player. I just hope he actually plays. I think my point. Yeah. I don't know if I explained it properly. Um, my point was more that if you're gonna have him in this squad, he has to play, or it's kind of wasting his time. Like he could be in the under twenty ones, getting international experience through them. Oh, um, I see. That's, yes. So that's more yeah. what I meant. I probably didn't explain it very well. Um, yeah, I, so, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if you're gonna put him in the squads, actually play him. They would just waste yeah. his time, and you know actually give him game time um yeah so if that happens then i think it is a good inclusion but if we have declan rice and ward prowse playing all three games then probably not yeah i mean i i think we'll see me either declan rice paired with foden or mount potentially bellingham i i expect expect we'll see bellingham maybe not in a starting role but i think we'll see him on the pitch yeah Um, i I hope so because i think like i said if, if that happens then is a good inclusion but um again it comes down to southgate yeah yeah um, and with that we'll move on to the final set of players the forwards uh what did you think dan uh, ollie watkins i thought was a surprise uh potentially yeah i mean he's having a good season for aston villa obviously a, a good player um you know I, I remember watching him when he was at exeter for a couple of games and he was always a a good player for them um, unfortunately for me, because he usually scored against us, I think. Um, but no, um, definitely having a good season in the Premier League. Uh, stepped up really well. But again, England have got a really great bunch of options up there. And it's kind of the exclusion of Jane Sancho, I think, is interesting. Maybe in the place of Ollie Watkins, I might have had I him think, in there. I think Sancho might be carrying an injury at the moment. Oh, is he? Uh, am I mistaken? Yeah. He's, I think he's injured. I think that's the only reason we're not seeing him in there because his form over at Dortmund's been phenomenal in the last uh, few weeks. But yeah, if he's injured, or, you know, that's you know, it's a bit of a blow for England, a bit of a blow for the player who was just coming into a rich vein of form. Um, I think he got named the Bundesliga Player of the Month. So yeah, no, if that if that's the reason, then you know that's understandable. I didn't didn't realize he was injured. Yeah. I... It's a shame he's, you know, as Neymar came out and said it once, got accused of diving. If you're a tricky winger, you are going to get smashed to pieces. And you know, 
you know, we saw Neymar gets injured, Sancho getting injured, someone like Hazard's suffering with in- injuries because of that sort of style of play. Um, and, yeah, so Sancho, you know, is proving he's one of the very best at it. So, you know, it's not, I'm almost not surprised to see that he does pick up a knock or two. Um, but, yeah, it's a shame not to see him in the England squad. Yeah, definitely. I think he is a really good player. You know, somebody's very exciting to watch. And, you know, I, I'd always have him in there personally. But, um, no, I think Ollie Watkins, it's a bit like, um, you know, uh, Sam Johnson at West Brom. You know, it's kind of, he's had a good individual season. Obviously, Aston Villa have done well as well. I think maybe yeah. it's just a chance for him to come in get 45 minutes here and just see how he adapts for England. Yeah. Um, I was a bit surprised to see that he was in over Patrick Bamford, considering I think Ollie Watkins has looked, he looks like a much better player with Grealish on the Aston, on the pitch than the Aston Villa side. But I guess that's negated by the fact that he's probably going to have Foden in behind him. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. think they're probably fancy Watkins can probably play on the left or right wing as well, which is probably why he yeah. got the nod over Bamford, I think. Yeah, uh, but were you surprised that Bamford wasn't included? Uh, maybe. I, I think, again, it's how you kind of make up the squad. I think he's worth a place, but it's it's who you drop. You know, do you drop one of the defenders? Maybe you don't need all of them. Um, I, to be honest, if he keeps up the form he's he's in, then he'll probably be in a squad eventually. You know, it's just a case yeah. of finding room for him, I think. You know, I think if there was yeah. an injury to, you know, Calvert-Lewin or something, I think he'd definitely be in the squad. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And sort of the final bit on England, having looking at the squad, um, we play San Marino, Albania and Poland. How do you see those games going? You know, we, we had a little look through the Albania and the Poland squads before um, before recording this podcast. And, you know, with all due respect to San Marino, there's barring something horrific... I don't think they have a chance. I mean, if England were to lose or even draw to San Marino, then Southgate should probably be sacked. Yeah. I'll put that yeah. out there right now. If that, if that happens, he should just resign. Yeah. Um, but, you know, San Marino, we can almost put down as a win. I think I think it's you know, comfortable to say we should be winning that game. Yeah, it's just a case um, of how many. Yeah, but... You know how we? How do you think we're looking against uh, Albania and Poland? Um, for me, I, I think it should be another two wins. I think it should be free for free uh, for England this uh, qualifying window. I think they are a better team. Uh, obviously, Poland do have some good players. They have Lewandowski, who's yeah. probably the best player in the world right now, which uh, makes makes it a bit more difficult. Um, Certainly, best striker. I, I'm not sure if I'd go as far as best player, but best striker certainly yeah. by I mean a long he did shot. win the best player in the world awards that last season. Um but uh yeah point that is a fair <laughs> argument. <laughs> no I, I no I I completely see your point and you know it's it is dependent on position. But um for me he's the best player in the world right now. Anyway, um I think apart from him that Poland squad isn't amazing. I think England definitely have a better team. Um yeah and I think they should win it on paper. Again, if Lewandowski turns up and scores a hat trick, then it, it could be a lot, yeah. a lot harder for England. Yeah, I mean, I think Lewandowski has sixty-three goals and one hundred and sixteen appearances for Poland. So, you know, he's got a good record for them. But as you say, is he going to get the same level of service from this uh, Polish midfield as he's getting at Bayern? I find that highly unlikely. Against you know 
without you know sounding too optimistic and too full of ourselves, a highly um, you know highly drilled top quality England team. Yeah, they they should keep him quiet. Um, and then again, if we play Eric Dyer against him, then he probably will score a couple of goals. Oh yeah, if he does play <laughs> Eric Dyer, then we might be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, so I think I think it, you know it depends on which England team ends up playing. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but I think on paper you would hope England would win all three of those games. You know, no yeah. disrespect to them because I think you know Poland definitely are, are a decent team. But you know, if this was yeah. a European Championship match. And you got Poland in the round of sixteen, you'd be happy, you know. You'd you'd want to play them over someone like France, you know, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Albania, I don't think are much above the level of San Marino. Maybe that's a bit harsh. I think I think they're a bit better than San Marino. They have professional players. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think they're more like a a worse Switzerland, really. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be a fair. You know, Elsie Heisaj in defence, place in Napoli, has been, you know, was linked with um, Manchester United at one point in his career, a couple of years back. So, you know, t- some in reasonably talented players. But again, I think looking at the squad, it's uh, the level of player we're, we're looking at is, um, you know, I don't think it's on the level required to overturn England if they turn up. Bear in mind, England do have the habit of not turning up and playing like a Sunday league team on occasion. So, yeah, I think, I, I think yeah. maybe it's arrogant to say, but I think if England do give away, you know, if they do lose a game or they do drop points, I think it'll be more down to England's performance rather than, you know, Albania turning up and playing like prime Barcelona, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'd have to agree with you on that. Uh, but that's our thoughts on the England squad and how we're going to do this week. If you do want to interact with us, let us know what, how you think England are going to do. Have we hit the nail on the head? Unlikely. Are we wrong about some things? Most probably. Well, let us know on Twitter. Our Twitter handle will be in the description of this podcast. and We hope to interact with you there. But this is unfortunately the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.